Hello, everyone. My name is Priscilla Gormley. I'm Larson's wife. And today's lecture is Luke 19, verses 1 to 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up, looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restored it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of a man of man came to seek and to save the lost. Pues el hijo del hombre vino a buscar y a salvar a los que están perdidos. Chris didn't tell you is that they just got married in December. They're, kind of, they're newly married, right? Right? That's good. That's appropriate. Okay. Uh, uh, we're doing a three-series, a three-week uh, series in generosity. And the first week we had Michael Gregory from our church plant covering time. And um, this week is our treasure, so our, our money. And... Um, Richard Liu, also from our church plant, next week will cover uh, talent. Um, it's funny, it's because Richard and Michael always give me the money one. Always give me the money one. All right. So uh, here at The Way and even at our church plant, um, we really don't talk about giving money. We don't talk about that word. We don't talk about giving as much as, because when you talk about giving, you almost... Um, it's almost relegated or exclusive to money. And so w what we try to say here is um, um, we try to say we are talking about generosity because, let me, let me tell you something, is that you can give piles of money away as a non-Christian and you can give piles of money away as a Christian. But this is it, is you can only be truly generous in your whole person as a spirit-occupied person that is following Jesus. Um, let me explain this to you. Uh, in December, I, I, met, uh, I, I met, I had coffee with a guy who's attached to, um, uh, 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 let's just say, L.A. sport franchises. I'm going to disguise him. And um, uh, uh, he is not a Jesus follower. So I had coffee with him, and in this conversation, I thought it was interesting, is he said that he actually loved giving his money away. He is a, he's a high-dollar high dude, and uh, he said that he loves giving his money away. Um, he loves helping to make a difference. He loves giving back to the community. You've heard that phrase. And uh, um, he goes to dinners and charities and fundraisers and, and balls and he goes to the Dream Center, and he just thinks it's amazing. And, um, and, but in the same conversation, he was telling me how much people annoy him um, and how 
um, he's really tried to insulate himself from as many people as possible in his life. Uh, and then he told me in the same conversation, and it's just the nature of our relationship, um, he told me about his extramarital exploits. Okay? Yeah, people tell that to a pastor. Can you believe it? Um, and then he, he told me how he's involved in a lawsuit with one of his neighbors, and he's a lawsuit with several employees. And then, so you can see this, is this guy gives piles of money away. Probably maybe dollar amount more than I'll ever give away in a lifetime. And yet you can see that his life is not thoroughly generous in his person. You can see that. So we don't talk about giving as much as we talk about holistic generosity. Uh, uh, um, uh, now, that's outside the church. Let me give you an example. Inside the church, uh, again, I don't think you guys know this. I hope you don't. But, but um, when we were forming up the church plant, this is, you know, seven, eight years ago, um, um, there was a lot of tasks that all of us do. All of us kind of have to pitch in. You know, I, I, I don't know if you're mildly annoyed when you get an email saying, hey, would you help with this part of the service and can you volunteer? Well, all of us sort of as a community have to, have to shoulder a fractional amount, amount to, make a, to make a body work, right? A church work. And, and so this guy said um, <laughs> he didn't want to do any of the menial work. And he's, he actually attached a number to it. He says, if I give 10000 extra dollars, can I not do that work? That was the first time that ever happened to me in my ministry. I was like, oh, someone wants to pay. And, and this is, he had, he had an interesting line. He said, he said um, uh, I don't like the feeling of humility. <laughs> he's, at least he's honest. I love it. I know, I know. Because we've all been there, right? We've all been there. Um, so money is just a fractional piece of the whole pie, which we call generosity. But I, I do have to say something to you, is that mo giving money is not all of generosity. But I do have to say this to you, because I, I want to shoot you straight today. Is that if you're not giving your money away in large measure, you can also say, oh, oh, you haven't discovered generosity yet. Right? It flows both ways. Um, now... Um, this is funny, is uh, Jesus gave me a, a cheat code and a pro hack when it comes to being a pastor. And he said this, he said, did you know that people's money is a barometer and gauge to where they're So as a pastor, I just have to use my eyeballs, and I can know where people's heart is. It's a cheat code. It's totally unfair, but Jesus gave it to me, and he gave it to you, too. He said it. Um, I want to talk to you about giving your money away today. And I want to talk to myself about, and, and Richard and Michael always put it on me. Um, but Michael did say to me, he says, but Tim, we actually think you sort of enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'll, I'll cop to that. Um, so when, when people tell a story and when people tell a joke, 
what does it build to? It builds to this great climactic event or it builds to a punchline. I'm gonna do something awesome for you is I'm gonna give you the climactic conclusion and I'm gonna give you the punchline right away. Here it is. The beginning of being able to give away your wealth in large measure is to receive undeserved wealth in large measure. That's the punchline. Now, I want to be clear about something. I want you to give away your money in large measure for the advantage of somebody else. I do want that. But let me confuse you a little bit, is I don't think giving your money away ignites that. I want you to give your money away, but I don't think giving your money away starts it. What? I don't think that. So if you have a Bible app, you can open up to Luke 19. If you have one of those ancient versions, um, lay it open. And I, I just ask a question, maybe from just hearing it. Um, where is the beginning of generosity in the Zacchaeus account? Now, while you're kind of noodling over that, um, there are some of us here that did not grow up in the church, and there are some of us that grew up in the church. I am one of those people that grew up in the church. So I've got a lot of church baggage, all right? Um, and uh, I have been to Bible studies in small groups, and I have suffered, maybe some of you who as well, I have suffered thousands of asinine Bible study questions. And I'd venture to guess that you have also suffered these questions. So um, uh, let me give you an example of a bad question is you're in the Bible study and they'll even print this stuff and sell it, like the guide. And they'll say, in verse nine, what did Peter say to Jesus? And you're like, this is second grade comprehension. Like why are, you made money off of that guide? Like, okay, that's a bad all right, but you've been in a Bible study before, and, and here's a great Bible study conclusion for the Zacchaeus account. You say, where is the beginning of generosity in the Zacchaeus account? And, they, and they'll say this, I think it started with Zacchaeus making a commitment. He made a commitment in his heart, like, I'm going to give. It started with a commitment. And then... And then um, you took prayer requests and you prayed for your cousin and your friend and you hugged each other and you left and you left and everyone was like, that was a great Bible study. No, it was horrible. Well, maybe praying for your cousin was pretty cool. Let me tell you why. Um, we think it might have started with Zacchaeus making a commitment in his heart to give because he says, he stands up and he goes, look, I'm going to give half my stuff to, to the Union Mission, to Goodwill, to Salvation Army, to the Dream Center, to, to immigrant advocacy. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give half my stuff away, and it's legit. And then he says this, and this is how tax collectors make their money, is Rome would say, hey, we want to get X amount of money from a region. And so what a tax collector would say, okay, I'm going to get X, but I'm going to mark it up 50%, and that's my cut. So they were overtaxing a region. And so what he said is this, if I defrauded you $25, I'm going to give you 100 bucks back. So, so we think, oh, like the beginning of generosity is Zacchaeus saying, I'm going to start giving. That is not it. Now, I've been in Bible studies, and so have you, is where everybody said, ah, oh, yes, we totally should start giving more. 
and everyone will not disagree with it, and you sagely, maybe you might even lift your eyebrows, and you sagely nod your head, clasp your hands, and say, yes, we all should give more. Let's, let's work on giving more this next week. And that's a horrible Bible study. It's nonsense, and I'll tell you why it's nonsense, is it actually doesn't touch your affections. It doesn't touch your heart. It doesn't change your heart. It doesn't change any of us to say, you know what? I don't think I should give. I sort of just want to give. See, it doesn't change anybody. So I'm going to go back to that question. Where does generosity begin in the Zacchaeus account? It does not begin with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus' generosity is the result. It begins with Jesus. I'm going to tell you what the generosity is. Here it is. Uh, little dude, get out of that tree. I must eat. I, ha I have to eat with you today. Let's go to your pad. Now, you might say, hey, I don't know if that's generosity. But I'm going to show you how it is radical generosity and why backstories matter in the New Testament. All throughout the Gospels, and you guys could probably crowdsource this, but all throughout the Gospels, um, what... What do people watching Jesus and his crew, what are they always mumbling and moaning and whining about when it comes to Jesus and his crew? Do you guys remember this? It's, it happens in multiple places. Man, I don't get why he's eating with sin. Like, I don't get that. Like, why is he doing that? Man, wh why is the dude hanging with tax collectors? Don't get that. Um, man, Guys, don't you actually think it's a little sketchy that the prostitutes are all about this guy? In the words of my kids, that's sort of cringe. Um, you guys probably felt this in high school pretty severely. I know I have. I know a lot of us have an experience is this, is if you were around a person who was awkward and annoying and the collective felt that that person was awkward and annoying, and you yourself were also around them, maybe even eating lunch with them, you felt pretty intensely like it was guilt by association. You're like, tomorrow I will endeavor, dear diary, tomorrow I will endeavor to sit four tables away. Why? Now, it still happens as adults. It just looks different. So that's what they get. They're just like, oh, maybe he's actually closer to what they are about. Um, the, but the crowd gets it wrong. And I will tell you this is um, rarely, you know, we kind of believe in crowdsourcing conventional wisdom in America. Like um, what does Twitter collectively agree upon? Like we should cancel who, what's right, what's fashionable, what's trendy, what's in, what's out. Wait, wait, wait. But, but I'll tell you this in the New Testament is the crowd actually 
rarely gets it right. Twitter rarely gets it right in the New Testament. And they don't get it right because this is what they say. They say, he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. They're talking about Jesus. Now, it's not like they're just reporting facts because this actually sounds more like an accusation. And what they get wrong is that Jesus is not the guest. Zacchaeus is a guest of Jesus. Now, let me show you how that's true. Um, if you're a tax collector, the tax um, extraction system in, in the ancient Roman Empire, it's, it's diabolical evil genius. And what I mean by this is I, I'm going to tread carefully here because I'm just going to tread carefully, but you're going to get the sense. Is it is um, network marketing on steroids. So 15 years ago, it was like um, Pampered Chef. Before that, it was prepaid phone cards, and it was that. Then it was that acai berry thing. And then now it's, no, I'm not going to say those because they're maybe on, their fa on your Facebook page or whatever. But this is, this is the evil genius is what we're going to do is we are going to use your most intimate relationships to make money. You are going to have to lean on your friends, not, not just your remote friends, but your closest friends and family to get this business started. That's the Roman tax system, is um, they come in, they don't know the lay of the land, they don't know this dominant superpower, they don't know the region, but you know what they do? Is they find someone willing to get a little extra money, and they say, and that person says, oh, I know where Jacob has a little extra land. I also know where Hezekiah has a vineyard. And I, see, you can't hide wealth when you use someone who knows the community. And so what they do is they tap that person who knows the community, and he starts identifying everything. And we're going to get as much money as possible. It's diabolical. Um, uh, uh, let me just extend this a little bit. Is the Nazis used that before the concentration camps. What did they do? Is when, when they were rounding up the Jews into ghettos, what did they do? They didn't do it themselves. What they did is said they promised more safety, more food, more privilege to capos, which were Jewish people, and they elevated them slightly and says, you're responsible to get your countrymen to be and do what we think they should do. Mysteriously, capos would get a knife in their back. Now, if we're watching that movie, all of us are like, the capo got a knife in his back. We're kind of happy. You kind of are a traitor. You kind of are, you are getting enrichment through the demise of your countrymen. Okay, here's my point, is um, Zacchaeus knows something. When you are on, when you are social trash like that, capos are social trash. You can't hang out. The only friends you have are you have to hang out with other social trash, castaways, prostitutes, other sinners, other scandalous people, other people that can't get back into society. You, those are your only friends. And so it becomes a ragtag group of people that are social trash. Okay. Zacchaeus is the guest because he's being brought out of social trash. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to eat. I have to eat with you. I, I want to know you. And G Jesus 
didn't have to. He didn't have to. All right, so you know what absolutely melts Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus, man, you, you need to just start paying people back and stop doing this, right? You're such an idiot. No, no, no. You know what melts Zacchaeus? Is I want to know you, and I'm going to get close to you. I'm coming towards you. You are going to be my guest. You are not social trash with me. Um, that melts Zacchaeus. Now, we kind of know this intuitively, and I see this, and you guys see this. It, it doesn't matter if it's the Twitterverse or Instagram or um, online flame wars or whatever. It doesn't matter if it's in the PR or the news cycles. Is this, is when somebody talks trash and, and comes at you, we all know what happens is you come back harder. If they come with a gun, you come with a bazooka. If they come with a bazooka, you come with tanks. If they come with tanks, you come with a nuclear option. Like, you, that's how you handle a troll is you devastate them. That's how we operate. You, you, don't, you don't ever encourage a troll. You never encourage it. Happened a couple years ago, but you guys know the, um, the comedian um, Patton Oswalt, also a man of small stature coinciding with Zacchaeus. Um, he's on Twitter, he has all these followers, cracks jokes, some of them funny, some of them not funny. Not a Jesus follower. Um, but a couple years ago, there's this guy who lived in Alabama, his name's Michael Beatty. Don't, you don't know him, no one knew him. But he starts coming at Patton Oswalt on Twitter, and he starts calling him out and making fun of his small stature, making fun of how his jokes, and he's, he's cruel, making fun of his wife's death. Like, like it, he's just cruel. So, so, using conventional wisdom, Patton Oswalt, how do you devastate a troll? You devastate a troll. So he comes back hard, cracking, just devastating jokes. Until... Um, Patton Oswalt, he, he wrote this, is that um, he, at one night he started going through Michael Beatty's timeline, and he discovers that Beatty has all sorts of debt and a, just a cocktail of medical problems. And so the next morning he wakes up, and he says to his followers, he says, hey, I'm going to start a GoFundMe. Let's, let's get this guy some help who's been dealt some bad cards. And so this outpouring support that only a national, you know, recognized person comes in, and... Um, uh, really just absolutely melts Michael Beatty. So first tweet from Michael Beatty to Patton Oswalt after this. I want to thank everyone who came to my aid with generous outpourings and also to Patton Oswalt, without whom I would not be the recipient of so much love and support. I'm not a man who ever cries, but I had to wait to send this. Second tweet. Um, Patton, you have humbled me to the point where I can barely compose my words. You have caused me to take pause and reflect on how harmful words from my mouth could result in such an outpouring. A, a troll doesn't become generous by treating him like he deserves to be treated. A troll becomes generous and softened by experiencing something unexpected and undeserved generosity. 
you know, this is an appropriate weekend. But um, Martin Luther King thought the same thing. He said, I am going to change this world through nonviolence and gentle passivity. Do you know how much strength that takes? A troll is melted by undeserved generosity. Um, when I see people frightened to give away their money in large measure to those who need it, and I'm not talking about impinging upon your family needs. I'm not talking about that. But when I see someone frightened about how much they have, how much they don't have, how much they will have, how much they should have, how much others have, like, like I know something as a pastor. I do. I'm just telling you, I know it. I know it. Know it. Know it. Jesus gave me the tools for it. I know this. It's like, oh, Oh, you haven't experienced the generosity of God yet. Not yet. Not yet. All right. C.S. Lewis, I think Mere Christianity is top 20 book, I'll say Christian books of the 20th century, Okay. Don't show the quote yet. Don't show the quote yet. Um, he gives, especially my wife and I, because I like how Vicki said, we're learning generosity over a lifetime. Um, he's given us this, this great diagnostic tool for our family. And the reason why I say this is, um, I think a lot for people, if you've grown up in the church, this is where this is how you assume you've leveled up and you're a mature Christian. You've just done the time. Oh, I've been in the church for 20 odd years. I've been going to this church for 15 years. Yeah, I'm, I, I, yeah, I'm. That's how Christian maturity is gauged. But you know what? You can you can go to church and not be and not understand your father's heart and not have experienced the generosity of Jesus. So C.S. Lewis gives us a different diagnostic. It's not time served. So this is going to be helpful for you, and I actually think it's going to poke you a little bit. Maybe Michael was right. Maybe I enjoy it. Maybe I don't. But let me just tell you this. Is it pokes me, okay? It gets me. So here it is. You can show the quote, and let's, let's work through it. This is C.S. Lewis. He goes, I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. Flat amounts, percentage points. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusements. Now, notice he doesn't say family needs. Notice that. He's not talking about getting through life for your family. It's not telling you to cut into that. Luxuries, um, comforts, luxuries, amusements is up to the standard common among those with the same income as our own. Cool, he relativizes it. He's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not asking for the poor to be able to give more. I'm not asking, I'm just saying, relative to your peers, we are probably giving away too little. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they are too small. Now, this is where, this has been the great tool for 
Melissa and myself. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditure excludes them. If that is not present, I'm not going to tell you to give more. But you need to understand, oh, I need to understand the generosity of God to an undeserved sinner all over again. And usually when I talk to people, there's, it's an easy diagnostic. Um, um, you either think that you deserve it, and my job is to show you how you don't. And those conversations are always a little bit more prickly. Or you think that you don't deserve it and you don't understand how big the Father's love is. It's simple. My aim, though, with people is not to get them to give their money away. My entire gradual discipleship, wherever I am, is to show you the great, generous generosity of God to you as an undeserving person of that. All right, last thing, last two couple sentences. The outflow of wealth from your accounts for the advantage of others is proof that salvation has come to your heart and home. It is proof. Let me also say this. The outflowing of wealth from your accounts does not bring us salvation. Those two statements are equally true. But I know this is that generosity happens because the holistic, unexpected, lavish kindness in large measure was given undeserved to you and to me through the person of Jesus. Let's pray to that. Jesus, um, I, I, I do want to be, I have this aspirational desire to grow in generosity that pinches and hampers me. I do. And I know that that can only happen by receiving your wealth first. So fill me again, fill my friends' hearts again with that deep knowledge of every advantage you've given to us. In Jesus' name.